Well, good morning and welcome to uh, worship on a 4th of July weekend. Fine, please. I hope you already have your worship guides out. Don't put them up because in the place where it says uh, sermon, uh, there's just underneath there is an outline that I, I sure hope you'll follow. I think it will be uh, more helpful for you to follow along where I'm going. I provided that. I hope you'll, even the, even our texts or the text of our um, a message this morning is there. When I was in the ninth grade, somewhere around 1928, some, somewhere around there, we, I took typing. I also, uh, in that class, we had shorthand. Has anybody in this room ever taken shorthand? Raise your hands. Good. I, I don't remember anything about it, but I know, I know it when I, when I see it. But we took in, in that typing, which was one of the most helpful courses I ever took. We learned a sentence. We typed it often, especially in the beginning. If you know that sentence, say it with me. Now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of their country. Great to hear so many fellow typists in the room. Good. Now that, that, that sentence doesn't have all the letters, but apparently it's good practice to practice that. So. That just seemed like a good uh, lead-in to what I, I think is God's Word for us today. Now is the time for all good men, women, boys, and girls, for serious followers of Jesus who happen to call this country home to come to the aid of our country. It feels like a difficult time. It, the mood is sour. Uh, the future is uncertain. This morning, I, I looked at Smirkanish. He, some of you know him. He's a, a, an independent political commentator. He has a poll every, uh, every day, and I, I like to take the poll to see how many people, other people are right about things, you know, that agree with me. And so this morning, the poll question was, uh, are, you, are you very proud? You have three choices. Very proud to, to be an American uh, somewhat proud or kind of proud, something like that, or, or not proud. And as of, of about 7 o'clock, uh, those who had responded, only 56%, just a, a small majority, uh, said they were very proud to be, to be Americans. Now, I, I, I clicked the, the very proud, but I'm in a, at least as of, se- as of 7 o'clock, was in a, a fairly, in the majority, but, but not by much. These do seem like difficult days, and I don't think we, we can blame independents or Republicans or Democrats or the stock market or the Supreme Court. I, I think all of us are in this together, and all of us have a responsibility as followers of Jesus to be part of the solution. And so it is a good time. Now is the time for people who take their faith seriously, their faith in Jesus, to come to the aid of our country. That seemed like something we ought to talk about on the 4th of July weekend. Now, how do we, how do, we do that? Follow your outline, please. I hope it'll be uh, helpful. Now, how do we do that? First, we remain faithful to the gospel. There's nothing so transformative as the gospel, and nothing transforms a culture like transformed people. And so, whenever as a church or as individuals, we, we prioritize our attempts at helping people find Jesus, that's a very patriotic thing. There's nothing more patriotic than emphasizing the gospel. But there is more 
There's more than evangelism. Nothing more important than evangelism, but there's more that we can, we can do. We can get involved in the public square. You and I as Christians can get involved in the public square, and there is a right way and a wrong way to do that. Look at our text for the day, please. Follow along, and I'll read them. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. And that's what Miss Kristen was getting at a while ago when, by the way, I was with those who said they didn't like Brussels sprouts, but we don't whine about it, right? We don't pout and we don't yell. We, we speak the truth. And that is the truth, by the way. We, we speak the truth in love. Philippians 4.5, let your gentleness be evident to all, to everybody. The Lord is near. James 3.17, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. I have a new uh, favorite book by a politician. It's titled Faithful Presence by former governor of Tennessee, Bill Haslam. Howard Sanderford uh, lent me his autographed copy, and I knew immediately I was going to like it, so I, I ordered my own so I could write it up and highlight and all that. Bill Haslam, again, former governor of Tennessee, is a deeply devoted follower of Jesus. He's not running for office, so I'm not endorsing any candidates. I'm, I'm just endorsing a book. He's a faithful follower of Jesus and a, I think a level-headed political thinker. And uh, I found, as I prepared for my own celebration of the 4th of July, I found that book really, really helpful. Haslam believes that you and I can be involved in the public square, whether as office holders, people who run for office, and somebody listening to me probably ought to run for office, or as informed and caring citizens and, and voters. Haslam believes, and I, I think he's right, that, that followers of Jesus have an opportunity to help heal the hurts of our nation. But he also believes, and I also believe he's right, that in some ways, sometimes we contribute to the hurts of our nation. But there is, he says, a better way. And that's what we're going to talk about. Number one, so follow on your, your outline. We can and must speak to important topics inside and outside the church. We can and must and must speak to important topics inside and outside the church. Thomas Jefferson wrote a now famous letter in 1802 to the Dansbury Baptist Church in Dansbury, Connecticut, and he spoke about the separation of church and state. It's not in the Constitution. He was talking about the Constitution, and he says the Constitution has erected this wall of separation between church and state, or religion and, and the government. But he was not saying that that we, are not to, we can't speak to the government. He was saying that, that the government must not impose its will on religious people. But he didn't say that, that the society should not listen to the convictions of people of faith. We will not be driven by any one religion's ideology. 
But we will not be as a society deaf to uh, the convictions of people of, of faith. So it is not, we're not violating the separation of, ch- of church and state when we, when we speak to matters of import both inside and outside our, our walls. It is wise for churches not to get involved in politics for sure. But that does not mean we avoid conversations that have political implications. Let me say that again. It is wise for churches not to get directly involved in politics, and by that I mean endorsing parties and candidates. But we must not avoid conversations that have political implications. Think about it. We deal with important matters as a church. And by, by church, I mean church with a capital C. Matters of life and death, matters of, of, of everlasting importance. And some of the things we talk about have political implications. When we, talk about, when we talk about sexuality, there are political implications to that. When we talk about the transgender question, there are political implications to that. When we talk about abortion, there are political implications to that. When we talk about race, there are political implications to that. That doesn't mean that we we directly get involved in politics. It does mean, though, that we speak to important matters. I think the devil is delighted when we huddle up together and talk about things of interest only to us. When we get together, you know, and we have debates about where Adam and Eve's daughters-in-law came from. You know, I think he's real, I think he's like, yeah, why should they keep talking about that? Because that's, they're, you know, have you ever wondered about where Adam and Eve's daughters-in-law came from, by the way? We could get together and have a good old debate about that, and the devil would be real, real happy. Or we could get together and, and debate whether angels are males or females. You ever wondered about that? That's a big, that's a big one. And I think the devil would be real happy for us talking about that. Or we could get together and, and debate whether, you know, hymns or, or contemporary Christian songs are better. The devil would be real happy for us to get together and debate that. But I believe, and I'm not trying to be dramatic, I believe that when a Christian of conviction and compassion steps into the public square with his or her Bible open, then I believe the devil trembles. When we step out there to say, in conviction and compassion, this is what I understand from the Bible, then I think the devil says, I wish they'd go back and talk about Adam and Eve's daughters-in-law. We cannot back off important conversations, even conversations that have political implications. It's part of our responsibility. It's wise for churches not to get caught up in politics, but that does not mean we avoid all conversations that have political implications. Back in April, uh, Phil Jackson uh, made news. Phil Jackson is the, the legendary coach of the uh, Chicago Bulls and the NBA National Basketball Association back when they had Scottie Pippen and, and uh, Michael Jordan and others. Uh, but he, 
he made, he made headlines in April when he said that the NBA, the National Basketball Association, uh, has become too political. What he said was when we watch sports, whether it's basketball or football or baseball or soccer or whatever we watch, we, it's for entertainment. He said the, the NBA has gotten too political. Now, I'm, I, I don't know enough to offer an opinion about that, but I do. I get his point that when we, when we watch sports, we want entertained. If we want political commentary, we watch political commentary. I get his point. <clears throat> and his... And the reason that's important is because I've heard people say similar things about church. That when I go to church, I don't want to get, I don't want to hear politics. And I, I understand that, and I agree with that. But please hear me, there's a difference between church and sports. There's a difference between church and entertainment. We deal with matters of great import, and some of those matters have political implication. So we will have hard conversations, hard amongst ourselves, hard to understand. We have to weigh into those matters as faithful followers of Jesus with conviction and compassion. So that's the first thing. We, we can and must speak to important topics inside and outside our church. But we must not pin our hope on governments, on your outline. In Europe and Latin America, the church has, has linked its wagon to the government for centuries, and it has not served the church well. Not pinning our hope on the government means not hitching our wagons to any particular candidate or to any particular political party. To identify with a candidate or a party may bring influence for a season, but it is always for a limited season. That influence never lasts. We must not pin our hope on government. But there is a way. There is a way. To quote Governor Haslam, there is a way. Follow along on your outline. Governor Haslam again, there is a way for Christians to be at the center of restoring our nation's lost hope. And it can happen in a way in which even non-believers will be glad to have us engaged in the public square. But it will not be with us acting out of anger or malice, being mad and crotchety and on the attack and snarky on social media is not the way. I want to confess to you that I violated my own rule on January the 6th, 2021. That was the day that most of you will remember, the day that people rushed uh, the Capitol building, the U.S. Capitol. I sat late in the afternoon, as did many of you watching it unfold on the news. And I got more and more angry the more I watched. In 1993, Carrie and I and Landon and Brennan and Grant were missionaries in Nigeria. In 1993, General Ibrahim Babangida was the military ruler of Nigeria, but had said he was going to hold open and fair elections, and he would abide by them. But right before time to hand over power, uh, Babangida said, I've changed my mind, and I'm going to stay. And to make everybody know he was serious, he sent the military out in displays of power. I remember uh, a, a plane, a military, a Nigerian military plane flying so low over our house, and I don't think he was 
targeting us, but it was right over our house. I thought it was going to hit the roof. It was so low. You could feel the power, and that power instilled fear. And I remember the emotion of 1993 in a developing country of Nigeria. And as I watched what was happening on January the 6th, that's those same emotions welled up within me, and I made a mistake. The first mistake was sitting there with my laptop in my lap. If you're ever angry, lock, lock up your laptop. <laughs> so I was sitting there with my laptop in my lap, thinking about how the world needed to hear my emotion, my, what I was feeling about that. And I, made, I posted a snarky post that named our then uh, U.S. congressman. And that was a mistake. It was done out of uh, anger. It was done impulsively. And um, if the Lord will remember, remind me of this, <laughs> I won't do that again. I would have done, and I would do again, the, the interviews that I did with a couple of news sources on the days after that, because I had slept on it and I was a little more objective. But I'm, I'm quite sure that my snarky post on Facebook didn't change anybody's mind. Nobody thought differently because of my snarkiness. So, we, there is a way, there's a better way, but it's not by anger, it's not by malice, it's not by being on the attack, it's not by being snarky. Keep following. There is a way, but it will not be the way of self-righteousness. If there's any way that we appear like Pharisees, I believe as Christians, it's in the world of politics. There is a way, but it will not be with us acting out of fear. Fear is a terrible motivator. There is a way it will not be in claiming we are victims and mistreated. There is a way it will not be from our echo chambers or our filter bubbles. James 3.17 says, and we read it a moment ago, wisdom is impartial. That tells me if we're going to be impartial, impartially wise, then we're going to have to read and listen widely not just to voices and to sources that confirm our opinions. To be impartially wise is to listen widely. There is a way, but it will not be in sacrificing our morals and values for the sake of political victories. And I want to pull over and park there. We must not sacrifice our morals, our ethics, our values, our convictions for the sake of political gains. Governor Haslam makes the, notes the difference between Machiavelli and Jesus. Remember Machiavelli? We, we talk about Machiavellian politics in the 16th century. Machiavelli was a, an Italian uh, political theorist. And Machiavelli is famous for saying that, that any means is acceptable to reach a political end, that to win a political victory, it is justifiable to hurt people, to be unethical, to be immoral, to throw your values out the window. He said the pol pol politics, he said, is a different game, and so all the rules don't apply to politics. 
that, that we, we set aside all the ethics and morals and so on in order to, to win a political victory. Jesus, on the other hand, said some really hard things like, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said some really hard things like, blessed are the meek, which does not mean weak. It means those who have the power to hurt, but who choose not to. Jesus said things like, let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, be ethical and honest. There's a difference between Machiavellian politics and the ways of Jesus. And sometimes it feels like we get a little, it gets a little murky. I want you to see that text that's on, I mean, that quote that's on your outline from Fred Smith. We redeem hostile situations by bringing in a different spirit, the spirit of Christ, even if it means we lose. As difficult as this is for me personally, it's still true. If I can't win in the spirit of Christ, I should lose. If I can't win in the spirit of Christ, he said, it's God's will for me to lose. If I have to sacrifice my values, my morals, my ethics, my convictions for a political win, then it is best that I lose. There is a way, and it is the way, if you'll continue following, it is the way of truth, love, gentleness, and wisdom. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. First, let's talk about truth. There are two truths. This is true. It is the true and trustworthy guide for everything we believe and practice. This is true. And Jesus is the way and the truth. There is an ultimate, those who say there's no ultimate truth, I couldn't disagree more. There is ultimate truth, and it is a person. His name is Jesus. However, when it comes to things like political theory, it is truth as we understand it. You know, p people will say, he tells it like it is. No, he tells it like he believes it is, like he understands it to be. We all see, to quote the Apostle Paul, through a glass darkly, even into the world, or maybe not even into, maybe especially into the world of politics. And so we would do well to, to speak truth as we understand it with a healthy do dose of humility and in love. Friends, if we don't love people who differ with us politically, we have a problem far deeper than politics. If we hate people who differ with us politically, we have some big time repenting to do. And we would do well to step away from the, the political arena for a while and quite frankly get right with God and then come back. The Bible could not be more clear. Speak the truth, but speak it in love. Doesn't mean, by the way, let me say this, doesn't mean we'll always be welcomed in the political arena. 
Doesn't mean we'll always be welcomed in public spaces. I'm not naive. There's not enough kindness or civility in the world to make some people listen to people of faith. I get that. But there are those who will listen. And there are those whose hearts will be warmed at least, if not changed. And even if no one listens, our responsibility is to speak the truth in love. Next, Philippians 4, 5 says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. Some translations say reasonableness. Gentle, reasonable, not strident, not angry, not loud, not looking for a fight. And God inspired James. We read it a moment ago. Wisdom from above is open to reason. Oh my, open to reason. Open to hearing that there's another opinion than my own. Open to considering that I might not be right about everything. Open to hearing voices and sources that don't simply confirm my, my opinions. Now, of course, the typical response is, Travis, you know, this is all well and good for Sunday morning. And we, God bless you. Bless your heart, Travis, for saying that. But Travis, you're naive. Politics is a blood sport, people would say. Politics is a dog-eat-dog world, people would say. You don't bring a pillow to a knife fight, people would say. So, so all this talk about being nice, well, that's good. But all this talk about being kind applies to the entirety of life, not just to Sunday mornings. Governor Haslam, I love this, he, he said he was criticized by a, a political commentator in Tennessee who said other states have superhero action figures of, as governors. We're stuck, he said, with Mr. Rogers in Tennessee. Well, it ain't bad being stuck with Mr. Rogers. And the choice is not between a superhero action figure and Mr. Rogers. The choice is between Machiavelli and Jesus and whether or not we're going to follow Jesus. I'm not talking about who you vote for. I'm not talking about whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent. I'm not talking about what you believe about gun ownership or immigration. I'm talking about whether we believe what the Bible says when it speaks of love and gentleness. I'm talking about whether we understand that love and gentleness and reason apply to all of life, the entirety of life, not just a little corner of it. I'm not talking about who you vote for, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent or what your opinion is about immigration or gun ownership. I'm talking about whether or not we believe that when the Bible speaks of love and gentleness and reason, it applies on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday as well as Sunday. I'm not talking about what you believe about immigration or gun ownership or who you voted for or whether you have an R or a D or an I behind your name. I'm, 
I'm talking about whether or not we believe that when the Bible speaks of love and gentleness and reason, it, we believe it applies to the courtroom and the boardroom and the classroom and the chat room, as well as the Sunday school room. I'm talking about the Bible's unmistakable, unquestionable message about how we're supposed to behave, whether in the church building or in the public square. I'm talking about treating people with love and respect and gentleness and reasonableness. Now is the time for all followers of Jesus, be they men, women, boys, or girls, to come to the aid of our country.